Christmas time is filled with tradition. One tradition that some families have is to read the Christmas story on Christmas morning before gifts are open. And chances are that the passage they would have chosen would have been Luke 2, 1 to 20. In these verses, God teaches us that a census have been ordered in the land. Residents are to return to the city of their lineage. And this brings Joseph and Mary to Bethlehem because they are in the line of David. While they are there, the Son of God is born, just as prophesied in Scripture. Out in the fields, shepherds, these characters of Christmas, provide a different perspective on the Christmas story, reminding us that the gospel reaches all people. You know, I never thought this would happen in my town, said the residents of this tiny southern town in America. When they learned the news of the horrific crime, Paul Rickenbacker had walked into the local mall and fatally wounded many of the townspeople. He was soon captured and taken into custody. His crime and arrest made the national news and was the talk of the country because at the time it was the largest tragedy in history at a public venue. When arrested, Paul confessed to the crime and was sentenced to life in prison without the possibility for parole. The town was ecstatic when they heard Paul's life sentence. They hated this man. In this gospel, we learn that on the same day Jesus is born in Bethlehem, there are shepherds in the fields around Bethlehem who are doing their job, watching over the flocks. Shepherds were not a very popular group of people. They were considered social misfits, thieves, and sometimes even religious outcasts. They were considered unclean and were not able to participate in temple worship. They spent their entire lives taking care of sheep. Their job was dangerous at times, but mostly boring and tedious. While we do not know how many shepherds there were, the plural usage of this term helps us to conclude that there were multiple shepherds in the field. This unpopular group of people is the first group to whom God announces the birth of his son. Luke tells us that it was that night, it was at night when the shepherds were watching their flocks in the field. The setting is significant. On a clear night, away from the city lights, we can gaze into the night sky and see a multitude of stars. Bethlehem was not a big city. And we can imagine the darkness that consumed the shepherds on this special night. This setting was not unusual for shepherds. But what is about to happen is something that we still talk about this very day. God dispatches an angel to this region of the world with a special announcement and invitation. In verse 10, the message comes from a singular unnamed angel and concludes with a host of angels giving praise to God for the peace he has provided on this earth through his son. 
However, we assume it was Gabriel, as he was God's messenger, who first spoke to Daniel to explain his vision, then to Zechariah, John the Baptist's father, and to Mary to advise her of her virgin birth. Therefore, fulfilling the David covenant, or the David covenant, he will be great and called the Son of the Most High. Can you remember where you were and who God sent your way to announce Jesus and invite you to follow him? Maybe you were a young child or a teenager or a young adult when you heard the life-changing message of the gospel. But consider this. God used that person at a precise time in your life to save your soul and bring you peace. The night sky lights up with the glory of God, and all those sitting in the fields were overcome by the light's intensity. This sudden appearance in the dark sky brings fear on the shepherds. And I think we would all have jumped out of our skin at the appearance in the middle of the night of angels or flowers. The first words from the angel's mouth are to calm their fears. But reread the scripture at this moment and listen to the angel's words. The angel has good news, which is great joy for all people. The angel then goes into detail about who Jesus is. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a saviour. Rescuer, Redeemer, Deliverer, who is Christ, Messiah, Anointed One, the Lord, Master, Ruler. Packed into that one statement is rich theology. The Savior has been born to rescue us from sin. The Savior is the promised Messiah, the Anointed One spoken of in the Old Testament, whom the Jew Jewish people anticipated. This announcement brings a host of angels into the night sky who bring God praise and glory he rightly deserves because peace is the result of this joyful good news. Just as fast as the angels appeared in the sky, they vanish from sight and the shepherds are plunged into darkness once again. Back to Paul Rickenbacker, who has served 10 years of his life sentence. Every Saturday morning during that time, a Bible study had been held at the prison. A local church had adopted that prison, and they came to share God's words of encouragement for the inmates. Paul never attended these services, never thought they were important, and often thought of them as a waste of time. But one Saturday, Paul sensed the need to attend. Paul did not know what to expect, but what he heard changed his life. The man sharing the devotion that morning spoke about the good news. Paul learned that a Savior had come to rescue him from the bondage of sin and redeem him from a life of sin. 
This resonated with Paul because he understood what literal bondage was, but he had no idea of the impact of sin on eternal life. As Paul sat quietly in his metal chair in the state-issued orange jumpsuit, God grabbed hold of his life, and Paul gave his life to Christ. Every week since that moment, Paul has been discipled by the man who gave the devotion that day, and his life has never been the same. Back in the fields outside Bethlehem, the shepherds sit around discussing what they've just witnessed. The angel had told them who the baby was and how they could find him. The angel said the sign they were to look for that would identify the Savior was a baby wrapped in swaddling clothes, which was normal for any newborn baby, baby at that time, placed in a manger, which was certainly not normal in that day. A manger was a feeding trough for animals and served as the bed for the Savior to lay his newborn head. This is what the shepherds were to look for in the city of Bethlehem. Stop for a moment and let this idea impact your thinking. God arranges the census to be taken in the land. This causes Mary and Joseph to travel from Galilee to Bethlehem to be registered. God was working behind the scenes to bring, to bring prophetic scripture to fulfillment. Now think about the manger scene. The manger is the epitome of humility. As Isaiah 53 teaches us, the Messiah did not come in the royalty he deserved. No one could see a halo around his head as he walked through the streets, but his humility would serve as our example to follow today. The beginning of the Messiah's days on earth started in great humility as he was placed in a feeding trough for animals. Jesus, however, would later teach that he was the bread of life. With Jesus, there would be no hunger or thirsting, so maybe being placed in a feeding trough was fitting for the one who is the bread of life. The shepherds decide very quickly to go into town to find the Savior. Luke tells us they left in haste to find the one as told by the angel. The angel does not tell the shepherds to go, but how else could they find the Savior? It was a shepherd's decision to go and find the Savior. One can only imagine the faces of those present in the stable when the shepherds turned up. Remember, they were men people wanted not to be around. Yet it is this group of unpopular people that first come to see the Savior. As they come into where the place where Jesus is, they communicate to all listening. They communicate the message they heard from the angel out in the field. This is the Savior, who is Christ the Lord. 
packed into that one statement is the good news everyone needs to hear. The text tells us that those who heard what the shepherds said stood in amazement and wondered about what they heard. But Mary sat by the manger and pondered what had been said to her heart. She knew who the baby was, and this unpopular group of misfits had arrived to confirm it. They make her ponder this wonderful moment as she investigates the face of her Savior, the Messiah. The shepherds leave the site where Jesus is and return to the fields. Now, however, they have a spring in their step and a new song of praise when they return to work. Paul sat in his cell and spent most of his working hours reading the scriptures and growing in Christ. Paul's crime had made national news. The massacre in the hall, in the mall, sorry, 10 years earlier, surpassed anything in prior history. The 10 years had passed, and Paul was a new person, inside and out. A major news network decided to revisit the tragedy and, rev and run a special on TV. They wanted to interview Paul and learn more about that dreadful day. Paul spent the hour-long interview answering questions. As the interview came to an end, Paul shared with the audience how the Lord had saved him and changed his life. He explained he was a new person because of the gospel, and he called others to believe. Many people did not even buy what he was saying. Even some in the Christian community did not believe him. They thought a man who had committed such a crime could not come to Christ. But that is the amazing thing about grace. The message this hated man heard is the message he proclaimed to others, just like the unpopular shepherds heard the message of hope and proclaimed it to others. Like the shepherds, Paul had a new song of praise in his heart. The story of the shepherds remind us and helps us to understand the reach of the gospel to all people. The shepherds heard and were impacted by the gospel. This group of people who were unpopular in society, seen as a criminal even, and without a religious bone in their bodies. This is the group that God chose to speak to in the field. Had you really thought, that these shepherds became the first missionaries of the gospel. The lowly men went quickly and shared what they heard with others. You see, no one is beyond the reach of God's grace. It's God's grace that saves a person through faith. The gospel reaches into the lives of all people with a message of hope and salvation. God has entrusted believers with this life-saving message of hope. As believers, we must understand that the gospel reaches all people, a lesson that we can all learn from the shepherds at Christmas. As someone told the good news to Paul, 
For someone told the good news to Teresa, it is now for us to tell others what asking Jesus into their life can do. As I said, no one is beyond the reaches of God's grace. And it is our duty to share that with those we meet. Amen.